you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. With AT&T in-car Wi-Fi, elevate your adventure by transforming your vehicle into a reliable Wi-Fi hotspot. Connect up to 10 devices up to 50 feet away from your vehicle, making it ideal for camping and road trips. Don't miss out on the fun. Embark on your next adventure today. Visit att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to check if you're eligible for a free trial. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Did you know that was going to be a problem when you saw Mike Smith and Tevas on day one and he came in and he tried to use bad words at the team, but it was like, well, Matt, come on, coach. Wear some, wear some uh, combat boots. Don't wear, don't wear the Tevas to give this speech. David. Football. Football, David. The Dave Damashek Football Program. Available on iTunes and at davedamashek.nfl.com. Now here's your host, Dave Damashek. Hi and hello football fans. What's going down? I hope all's well wherever you are. Welcome to the Dave Damashek Football Program. And the season is nigh. It draws ever closer with each passing second. Although when people say that, it's kind of unsatisfying because everything is uh, is getting closer with each passing second, inclu- including the big sleep, you know, <laughs> the big release, the sweet release. But anyway, let's not get down about that stuff. Like I say, it's banner times for any football fan. We are uh, just about through the long, tough off season. Best wishes to everybody in Houston, Texas, and Texas in general, the Bayou and beyond. But uh, let's focus in. On the game of pro football today, shall we? It should be a great show. We have returning guest and uh, candidate for the Shecky Award this season for uh, or this year for our favorite football playing guest, Will Blackman, safety of the Washington Redskins. He's proven himself to be uh, a great deal of fun. So as we move into the final third of the calendar year, everybody, it's time to start stepping your game up. Not just a football playing guest either. I'm talking to you, Fruit. I'm talking the residual cereal milk, alphabet letters, and all the rest. The Shecky Awards will be here before you know it. In the meantime, we appreciate you downloading and subscribing and commenting, all that stuff. On iTunes, before we get to Will Blackman, now I know football season is here because look who is seated to my immediate left, one of my very favorites, not just at the NFL media, but among people who kibitz about sports in a public forum his name, he, well, he's one half of the Fantasy Hipsters. You read his pages now. NFL Fantasy Live, uh, NFL.com, the podcast and beyond. It's Matt Harmon. What's the poop, fellow? Oh, Dave, it's good to be back. Look at you. You're hip as ever. You're thin as ever, too. What's happening, Harmon? I don't know, man. Just uh, coming off. You talk about a long off season. Yeah. 
this was a really long off season for me. It took me a while to get back in the door, but I'm here now. I'm glad to be talking to you. Excellent. Let's not live life in the rearview mirror any more than we need to. Let's look ahead to the 2017 season. We have a couple more division previews coming at you. Last week we did the we kicked things off with the AFC West and we gave you our one through four rankings there. We're going to press forward with not one, but two. Real quick, though, a couple of uh, things to keep. It's about Matt Stafford, now the richest man in the history of pro football. Some people, some percentage of football fans, curmudgeons, vapid cynics, whatever you want to call them, upset about this because Matt Stafford, is, is he even a top 10 quarterback? Where do you come down, Harmon? Yeah, I mean, everybody's going to cite his win-loss record, which I think is below 500 with the Lions, and, and I get it. But to a certain extent, they've kind of started to rein Matt Stafford in. I think they have some clarity of what kind of offense they want to be around him. They've become much more of like a quick strike, you know, don't let him get downfield too often, make big mistakes. And he's had a nice couple of years, and, and it's always with these quarterback contracts. Look, they're all overpaid, you know. I mean, but at the same time, without Matt Stafford, what are you going to do? Are you going to turn to Jake Rudick or whatever his name is as their backup? I mean, look, it is what it is. We have the same conversation all the time, kind of. I, I mean, I, I got to be honest with you. I, I'm not one to complain about uh, a job that involves talking about football for a living. But this is this is this is up there on my list of annoying conversations yes. to have to have. Is what what's the solution otherwise? What's your alternative, people who don't think Matt Stafford? Uh, yes, should in would in a perfect society would guys who throw the football make way more than teachers? But all right, enough with that. Though that, that like is a whole nother that layer whole of stupid. Is ridiculous. Like, that's that's dumb. Yeah. D- no one's going to argue with you about that in a vacuum, but in reality, of course, you know why NFL quarterbacks make more money than uh, than teachers do. One, two, within the ranks of NFL quarterbacks, what's your what's what's the alternative? If you're a Lions fan or if you're a football fan, what would you what would you suggest any team do? If the the Ravens win the Super Bowl with Joe Flacco, what were they supposed to do? Not sign him? Just let him walk. Walk yes, out go, the door. Instead, go out into the abyss. Go out into the abyss and see if you can make your way with Josh McCown or Brian Hoyer or see if you can reach and get Christian Ponder to, in the first round yeah, and, and see if you can make these sorts of things work or start or, or just decimate your roster this year so that you maybe get to draft a kid you like in college. I mean, you know, this, is, this is what you do. You must right. retain these quarterbacks for better or worse. And Matt Stafford, at his best, is among the best quarterbacks in the league. And, you know, listen, I get uh, – I'm one who always says the highest paid uh, player is playing the not just the NFL's most important position, but sports' most important position. And so a lion's share, pun intended, with the Detroit Lions quarterback, uh, of course he deserves more blame than anybody else on the team does, or he deserves more credit. When they, when they win, I also, though, am – not an imbecile. I'm not so simplistic that I don't understand that if you're surrounded by lesser talent, then you're, you probably are, are not going to finish the season holding a Lombardi trophy. All the bottom line is stop the belly aching there. Yeah. This is the only way. Stop it. I think Greg Rosenthal 
said this. I read a, I read something by him saying, it's like getting your oil changed. You don't have to want to do it, but you do have to do it. You right. do have to yeah. keep your franchise quarterback. You know, uh, you know, it may not be the most exciting thing you've ever done and satisfying thing you've ever done, but it's a requirement. Everybody wants to hit on a quarterback, and then when you do it, there's a price to pay. And yeah, there's going to be a it. continual price to pay, and it doesn't really matter if the salaries aren't exactly equal. Like, Aaron Rodgers is the best quarterback. He has the highest salary. That's not how any market works. So, Relax. Before we jump in on a couple of division uh, previews here, the other news, Vance McDonald, now a Pittsburgh Steeler in exchange for a fourth-round draft pick, shipped off to San Francisco. Yeah. How say you? Kind of a sneaky, interesting trade to me. Fascinating Just, and very unstealersy. This yeah. close to the start of the season? You're right. It does feel very unstealersy. But same did the uh, move to go out and like get Ladarius Green last year. It's clearly a position that they want to address, and I think he brings – big play potential, seam-stretching ability, you know, to that offense that they kind of need. I mean, Jesse James, God love him, but he's not that guy at the tight end position. McDonald has made some big plays throughout his career, but it just seemed like for whatever reason, despite the fact that they he had just gotten a contract extension last year from the previous regime, the 49ers didn't want anything to do with him. He's not a perfect player. He will drop a pass here, there, and quite frankly, a lot. So did Ladarius Green. Right. but, but They're I, very similar if you really think about it. Yeah, in, in many ways you're kind of right. Like I said, talented athlete. This is an offense that really after their top three guys, which is a great top three in Bell, Brown, and Bryant in terms of the receiver pecking order, they don't really have a lot of guys beyond that. I mean, they kind of ran out of playmakers in last year's playoffs, so I like the move to go get the guy. And I think he becomes – you know, a relevant player right away in this offense. Well, we'll see what Juju does. Uh, yeah. Juju Schuster-Smith, the first, uh, the second-round draft pick out of USC. And Eli Rogers certainly look good. They have other interesting pass catchers. So I, I, I disagree with you in a minor way about that. Um, they really were, you know, re- once Bryant and, yeah. you know, as, as the domino started the fall there. But if you regard Jesse James, I'm very bad at high school um, science. I didn't really pay attention. I, I railed against uh, mm. uh, all courses, Matt Harmon, okay. recently. I just don't like the man dictating to me what I have to learn. Okay. I didn't like that. I, I resented that. This is what you're going to do for the next hour. You know, you just learn about, about this. I know I, I. you can make me sit here, but you can't make me learn it. You just I'll talked about you. like this is what you have to do. Like, Dave, that's that's what you have to do. No, I but no, I, I, I disproved that you had to do it because I didn't do it. <laughs> here I still sit. But if, if, as I recall, if – uh, if Jesse James was the control group, if you will, in this uh, – is this a metaphor, a simile? I, let's, see where we, let's see where we go with he it. He was productive because of the distraction provided by Antonio Brown, Levy, and Bell, and those other pass catchers. He still thrived, relatively speaking, Jesse James did, in that. So if you assume that that's the, the, the minimum production that you can get from a pass catching tight end – Imagine now what a legit guy can do in that offense. Yeah, like I said, it's a really interesting move. Um, I, I think that Jesse James was kind of, you know, a, a poor, poor man's Heath Miller sort of player. But that clearly is kind of maybe the tight end that they used to like. Now they're kind of interested in getting this big seam-stretching athlete. And, you know, it's it's an offense that, I, like yeah. I said, I think needs that potential. Two tight ends is the way to go in the 21st century with a lot of successful teams. They're not uh, they're not newcomers to, to trying that angle. All right. Let's, well, as a matter of fact, a team that uh, did it pretty well last year, although Rob Gronkowski going down kind of derailed that. Nevertheless, I don't know mm-hmm. if you heard, the Patriots did end up winning the Super Bowl. Now oh, they don't I've have Julian it. Edelman. However, they did go get Brandon Cooks and Dwayne Allen, and they still have Chris Hogan and all the other fellas there. 
there. Uh, Malcolm Mitchell, I think, is a guy who people have not discussed at all. But oh, you you were hip fan. on him yes. 13, 14 months ago. Absolutely. Let's get into it. The AFC East preview. Let's start from the bottom and work our way up, I think, inevitably to the defending champs. <laughs> who is your last place team? This almost seems inevitable, inevitable too. Yeah, I mean, it's got to be the Jets, right? Yeah, uh, would you, would you, uh, why would you start Josh McCown though? That I, I, that really that really bums me out. If you're the Jets and you want to tank the season, then why, then why start Josh McCown? Because you've got to at least pretend that you're trying. They have not attempted to pretend in any other I, realm. I know so. it is. I hear you. It is strange, but I don't even think right now you can say Christian Hackenberg is like a viable NFL quarterback, not NFL starting quarterback. I mean, just like. He doesn't look I know, like but I would go with Bryce Petty. Sure, yeah. That, that's, I, that's I absolutely buy that he could be a a reasonable NFL Petty? quarterback. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he was putting up some numbers last year, at least making plays. He made Robbie Anderson like a relevant fantasy receiver for two and a half seconds there. So, But I, I'm with you. It is a confusing move. It does. The other one was like, why did they keep Matt Forte around all this offseason? And then just today there has been whispers, I think, from our own Tom Pelissero was talking that they might be looking to trade him, which I think makes sense. And for Matt Forte too, like, come on, man, don't, don't deserves. Yeah, like this guy's at the to. twilight of his career. The last thing you want to be is like a thirty-two plus year old running back on a team like the Jets. But I just think this offense. I mean, people, you know, obviously do a lot of stuff with fantasy here. Like you mentioned, people ask me like, well, where'd you take Bilal Powell? Is this guy on the Jets a sleeper? No. Hashtag never Jets. I think this team. Nothing. Not no. even Bilal Powell because that would be the one guy. I yeah, he would say, be maybe. the one guy. And I think that there's a chance he could, you know, in like a PPR league, be a floor play guy because he might catch 80 passes because who else is going to do anything there? But this might be an offense that scores like 15, 17 touchdowns. I, I don't. And I feel that is I feel completely comfortable saying that. I remember a 2010 Panthers team led by one Jimmy Clausen that scored about that many that many touchdowns and and I remember watching that that team very closely you know being from the area and everything and I think if you're just you're just not looking to mine anything on offense I volunteered I forget what year it was but there's a Tim Couch uh Doug Peterson Spurgeon win trio that was the worst offense I've ever seen. The Cleveland Browns. I forget what year that was. That was when they Oof. had just come back from from the dead, basically, yeah. um, like zombies. Um, so, all right. And and the the one thing they do weirdly have. Uh, uh, by the way, the one thing here's some good news for the Jets fans out there. They got the best defensive player in the draft. Jamal Adams is going to be a star. I, I think two so. years, five that's years, ten years from now, we will all agree that's the best defensive player from that draft. Can we also talk about in the NFL? And maybe in sports in general, what a weird concept it is to to tank a season. I mean, I know everybody says, you know, Sam Darnold, scam for Sam, whatever. But I think we've seen over the last few years, it's just tough to guarantee anything with a it draft is, class. It works. In, there are better results. with. That's exactly right. I agree with you. There are, um, there are results in the NBA if yeah. you tank. And in the NHL, the NFL, because well, in the it's NBA, more elusive. Those right. guys from college basketball can come right out. You know, Sam Darnold. I remember again. Sorry to reference that 2010 Panthers team again, but I remember watching that team and thinking, "All right, well, at the end of the year, they're going to get Andrew Luck." Andrew Luck went back to school that year, went back to Stanford, and obviously things turned out fine. They ended up with Cam Newton, but you just don't know who's going to be in a draft class. You don't know if that quarterback is still going to be good. I mean, I think the worst draft narrative, and and God love all draft analysts, a lot of them will say it. Every year, it's the the quarterback class is, is better next year. Sometimes it's not, and I don't know. I think just 
the idea of tanking a season is really sketchy. I, I, to me, and and by, I, I completely – I do agree, and I'm not being a prisoner to the moment because I do laugh at exactly that. No next year's class is going to be better than this one is. This one is for real. I mean, that it's it, – Believe it when I see it, man. I, <laughs> I hear you, I but I do, think, I do think there are three to five really good quarterbacks potentially going to be in this draft. But to your point, all right, good. The Colts got Andrew Luck. They haven't been to a Super Bowl with Andrew Luck. It's not it's not as easy as it is in the NBA or NHL, mostly because of the percentages. The the what you're one out of 22 guys that are that are out there versus at any given time NBA, you're yeah. you know, you're a team of eight guys essentially. You know, you add you plug one superstar in, obviously that's going to uh, result in more immediate uh, positive impact. Um and also the the um the ability to gauge how good a quarterback or any other player is going to be in the jump from college to the NFL is awfully elusive stuff. It's, it's a lot of about variables. 50 50, as we've talked about yeah. a lot uh, around the draft. All right, there's a lot of time on the Jets. Let's <laughs> move on from them. Who is your third place? I agree with you, by the way. Who's your third place team? I think it's got to be the Bills. Has right to now. be. I mean, what, what? Yeah, three months ago, I was so excited about the Bills. Same, what, same here. What are they doing? I, I don't know. It seems like they're uh, just kind of cleared to everything that Doug Whaley did tear it down and maybe they just they're that ex coming out of a relationship right now that just wants to throw all of their of their former lover stuff in a box and and just ship it out the door had that happen to me once that's a story for another day oh i have a really good box story but we'll save it for off the air uh but anyways i think there is that that team right now they've got rid of sammy watkins who i think you know he's always injured of course but when he's on the field he's a difference maker uh right now they have like a receiver core assembled around tyrod taylor that really doesn't fit him i mean these guys are all bolden's gone now but like zay jones jordan matthews they don't really have like a true outside of the numbers deep game weapon and that's tyrod taylor's strength and they don't seem to be behind him at all they have nate peterman from Pitt. that's where it started was what, what yeah during last season, they were like, eh, we don't know about Tyrod Taylor. Well, what, what, again, what's the solution? What's what's the alternative here? And, and this offense has looked bad in the preseason, and now Tyrod Taylor actually has a concussion. And maybe they sort of use this time period where he's injured to maybe throw Peterman out there, and then just Tyrod never gets his job back, which would suck. I'm a big fan of Tyrod Taylor, but I think that's just the tenor of this team. Their defense has some pieces, and I, I like Sean McDermott from, from Carolina, and I think that the organization could get things going in the right direction, but it's just a rough-looking team right now on paper, especially one that its strength is in the running game, but if they're constantly going to be in these negative game scripts, are they really going to be able to utilize their strength? I mean, it, what seems quite clear is not – dissimilar from what the Jets have done. The Bills seem to have an eye towards, I don't know what future date, but it it ain't on the 2017 calendar. Which is strange, too. And I know their GM, Brandon Bean, another guy from Carolina, he uh, made the point, well, why would we sign Anquan Bolden if we were tanking the season? Then Bolden promptly leaves, you know, like a week later. <laughs> so- well, here's the other, here's, here's the other uh, stinking thinking. Uh, for anybody in the AFC East or the AFC or in the NFL in general, there's some sentiment out there from fans. What does it matter? They're still not going to be able to beat the uh, the Patriots. Similar to NBA teams uh, the, the, in, in the Eastern Conference, uh, well, why would the Celtics go and get Kyrie? That still doesn't mean that they're going to be able to compete with, uh, with Golden State. What do you want them to do? <laughs> what should they do then? Well, I'm not sure – uh, what what rudderless yeah. position you expect them to assume, if not to to be as good as they can be? But yes, I'm with you. The Bills, I you know really liked 
some of the defensive pieces that they were accumulating. I thought Reggie Ragland, you know, I'm a big college football guy, and, you know, it wasn't tough to project that the Alabama star was going to be a star in the NFL and never plays for the Bills, never never even plays for them. Very strange. I don't get it. Give away Sammy Watkins, and now not not – Ronald Darby, too, who is like an up-and-coming young corner, and Jordan Matthews is a nice player, and they get a a draft pick out of it, but still, it's just just strange times in Buffalo right now. What was Watkins, the third overall? The fourth overall pick, who they traded up for in that 2014 draft just stock full of wide receiver talent. And Watkins has turned – maybe he wasn't worth the trade-up given, you know, Mike Evans went after him. Obviously, Odell Beckham went after him. You can make the argument that he wasn't worth the trade-up, but he was a legitimate difference maker when he was on the field. Uh, You know, again, the injuries aside, I think he's going to – we can talk about the Rams later, but I think he's going to make a difference for Los Angeles too. X factor of the AFC East comes up next here and maybe – the X factor within that X factor team is the guy playing quarterback, former broadcaster Jay Cutler. Former broadcaster, right? You say- not, unless I'm sorry, I hope I didn't. Uh, I hope I didn't step on your toes there. You're not going to take the Dolphins over the Patriots. Uh, no, no, I think you're you're fine in assuming that. But can you really call him a former broadcaster if he just you know had the job title but never actually executed the job? I don't know. It seems fun to do. Sure. They, they pulled him out of the booth to take him <laughs> down to the field. He walked in the booth and walked right back out. No, I, yeah the. Dolphins, too, again, it seems like stable up at the top, this AFC East, but just a lot of fascinating teams, whether for good or for bad, right behind them. And Adam Gase pulling Jay Cutler out of retirement, uh, it's a fascinating storyline. Uh, Explain I think, this, then, okay. I mean, or, or, or give me your opinion on this. Are people, and this is in the last week or two, from the time Jay, Jay Cutler gets signed, People make jokes, myself included. Yeah, well, oh, we have to make the jokes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he's gonna he's gonna take it down to two packs a day now, I guess, to be in game shape, whatever. Like you know, hey, um, Cutler leaned into those jokes too when at the press conference. He's like, I don't have to be in cardiovascular shape. I play quarterback. That's so, fine. Yeah, yeah, listen, and I I support his uh, his manner. I think Absolutely. it's I think it's fine and kind of funny and makes him a fascinating character. 100%. And I would and and I happen to think he one day will be great in the booth if he winds up there. Either way, in the short term, I feel like after the jokes went by, a week after that, people started to declare, you know what, he might be better than Ryan Tannehill. Listen, in fact, he is a more talented (laughs) physical specimen than an impressive physical specimen that Ryan Tannehill is. Now the question is, will and uh, conditioning and, you know, and ability to grasp Adam Gase's offense immediately like that and jump into things this quickly. Um, Are people being optimistic about the Dolphins because football America, outside of the uh, New England region at least, want to see somebody take down there? Or, Or is there reason to actually be excited about the Dolphins this year? Yeah, I think they're... I don't know. I I think that this just hasn't changed much from them in terms of what they would have been under Ryan Tannehill versus what they are now under Jay Cutler. I don't know that this – it moves the needle in terms of national storyline, and I think Cutler being back there changes the dynamics of the offense. Like you mentioned, he's more of a downfield thrower. I think this is good news for guys like Devontae, Devontae Parker, Parker, Kenny sure. Stills. And it already sounded, too, you know, to bring it to Jarvis Landry, who I think is the, you know, quote-unquote loser of this quarterback changeover – it already kind of sounded like they were 
keep an, an arm's length from Jarvis Landry in these contract negotiations anyways. You know, him and the rest of that 2014 receiver class, that the, those that were not first-round picks, are headed into free agency this year, uh, and, and they've really never shown any inclination to want to bring him back. So I think they're moving away from that conservative, you know, Ryan Tannehill play-it-safe passing game and will be more vertical, and especially coming off play action because the one thing that they have is they have an offensive identity now in Jay Ajayi, as a smash mouth team. And I love that, that dynamic of the offense. I'm a huge Ajayi fan have been since he was at Boise state, but, but I, in terms of how good they are, I don't know that this is really going to move the needle that much because the defense has a lot of questions to me, um, which is in the secondary. I guess it has some questions. I, I, I think what the way to beat the Patriots and that's the way teams in the AFC should be playing. I, as far as I'm concerned, you should be building your team in uh, in reality, not in, in some hope that somebody else takes care of the Patriots. You must be built to be able to square off with them in January. And I do think, you know, in, in, in uh, rudimentary terms, I think that ability to – we have a big back who's going to be able to bang on you 25 times or so each game, and then we have a big-arm guy who can throw the ball over your head to our burners on the outside. That's a lot to, to handle for the Patriots or anybody else. It's a team that I think is – you know, eight and eight, nine and seven type. Hmm. I don't think that this bumps another them. walkover. In in other words, you say the yeah. Patriots are going to roll. I do think so. I mean, and the Patriots are are stacked once again. All right, they are stacked, but they don't have Julian Edelman. So uh, so bring it home in the AFC East for us with them. Well, what what's their high end? Not, I mean, uh, is sixteen and zero now off the table? And I don't care what yeah. people say either about that's ridiculous to to float that. Why? It's not. It's, it really isn't. They almost did it a few years ago, and they are obviously the class of uh, the NFL at this point. I think they can replace the production of Julian Edelman with like kind of the guys that they have behind them, but that mind meld between Edelman and Brady, I mean, it's a kind of a corny thing to say, but it's so true. I mean, those guys are on the same page. They're very familiar with each other. You know, I had projected him to lead the team in targets and everything like that, and I do think it's a big loss, but just looking at this offense still, even without Edelman, this is a tough unit to it's defend. It's crazy. And, you know, Martellus Bennett is a fun guy and is an effective pass catcher and otherwise. But Dwayne Allen, the idea that it's a big drop-off, I don't exactly get. If he's healthy, Dwayne Allen will be just fine with the Patriots. I haven't even viewed him as that big of a factor. And even beyond that, they still have a ton of weapons. I mean, Brandon Cooks, I don't think. How know, big is Danny Amendola in big games for them? Right. He's come up huge in the postseason. I, I think that Cooks is obviously, I don't. I don't view him, and I never have, uh, as like a traditional number one receiver. I don't think he's going to be like Randy Moss or anything, but he's a legit burner. He's one of the best deep threats in the NFL. He can also operate a little bit on those slot routes coming out in the flats, in the slants, everything like that. And Rob Gronkowski, I mean, you know, burned short but burned bright. I mean, he was when he was on the field last year, he was averaging over 20 yards a reception. How do you defend that now while also trying to take account for Brandon Cooks as a vertical threat? Chris Hogan, I think, is a really underrated player. I just finished up charting him for reception perception. I was just putting that out there today. He's a legit deep threat, too. Made big plays last year. Averaged over 17 yards reception. Led all wide receivers in that category. They also have Malcolm Mitchell. They have Danny Amendola. And this backfield now is going to be tough to predict week to week for fantasy owners and everything, but Gillisley's talented. Burkhead is super versatile, and he's good. He might be their best back right now. James White, talented pass catcher. Deion Lewis was unbelievable a couple of years ago. I, I just don't know how you defend this team, and that's not even getting into what they have on the It's insane. The it really is insane. What is the best offense in the AFC? Raiders, Patriots, Steelers. I think it's 
I think it's Patriots. And I think it could we could be having this conversation a few months from now and the Steelers are the best offense, maybe not just in the AFC but in the NFL because, uh, look, they've been a good offense for the last few years and, and all their guys haven't even been on the field together. If Brown, Bell, Ben, all those guys are out there, this is going to be probably the best offense in the NFL, even without you know elite ancillary players like we were talking about earlier. Those three together are just impossible to defend. Well, I mean, listen, and you have what remains. What's interesting, too, is all of a sudden, what QB, once you get past Brady and Rodgers, who really is a better quarterback option in 2017 than Ben Roethlisberger is? And Roethlisberger, he has not been great yeah. by his measure, his own standard over the last year and a half or two. But still, who do you want in a big game over Roethlisberger at this point? That's fair to put the big game caveat in it. He did have kind of a down season for him last year. But again, like I said, they they pretty much ran out of playmakers by the end of the year. And I think with Martavis Bryant back, dialed in, that's going to just be – He's he's a true transformative figure in any offense, and I'm really excited about that. But, yeah, I, I, I would still take the Patriots as the best offense. All right. Well, that's that. So we're not going to have time. We're not going to jump in on uh, – on, we'll have to wait uh, on the NFC West till later in the week. We have to get caught up. So the season's about to kick off, Eddie Spaghetti behind the glass. We we, 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 we haven't a moment to waste. we got to get all our other division pre- – we're only Oof. two through. We'll do a little bit now, though. Let's get into some NFC East talk. And, of course, this guy's as rangy as it gets, and I don't mean just when uh, he assumes his position back there for the Washington Redskins. This guy's fun to talk to about all manner of subjects. Let's get to him right now. Great stuff, Matt Harmon. Welcome back to NFL Media. Make sure you look out for, in social media, look out for Reception Perception. It's great stuff for fantasy fans or for if you like uh, knowing what's actually happening out there on the gridiron or if you're just uh, an enthusiast of the X's and O's. Matt Harmon uh, among the best in the world at doing that stuff for you. NFL Fantasy Live, NFL.com. Read his pages, hear his words. We'll be kibitzing with him as the season progresses. Right now, though, here we go. Our pal, Will Blackman. Dave All right, now he has emerged as a prime candidate for the 2017 Checky Award for our favorite football play-in guest. He has been, he's provided great insight, not just about the game of football, but also the game of Game of Thrones. He loves his Westeros, he loves his football, and he loves his wine. Here he is, star of the Washington Redskins, everybody, and our pal, Will Blackman. What's the poop, fella? (laughs) What's the what? Uh, let's just move forward. Let's move forward. How are you, Blackman? We'll talk about thrones. We'll talk about wine. I want to hear what's going on in the bit in in uh, in between the years there. But let's start with the game of football. You're just about ready to go. How do you feel right now, physically? You're the personification of all pro football players. Tell us as you sit here. Um, you know, just about through the rigors of um, of August, ready to go at the season. What's what's your frame of mind right now? Well, right now, uh, still competing. Uh, here comes the fourth game, which I'm gonna take part of. Are you? Um, every, oh yeah, yeah. Every year on the evaluation, man, you're you're never comfortable. So it's just another opportunity for me that um that I need to take full advantage of. Do you agree with? Well, apparently you don't agree with me. To me, I would just never. You would never get me to put my important guys out on the field in preseason. I mean, you see why. We've seen many examples again this year. 
yeah, a lot of guys have gone down, but uh, it's it's hard. You know, I bet that's a dilemma uh, head coaches face on every team every year. So, yeah, that, that's very hard. Explain this one to me then. Why, if it's so essential for the for there to be these preseason games, why doesn't college football need them then? I have no idea. See, that's a good question. And people say, people say, well, oh, that's because they schedule a, a cupcake before they get into the tough schedule. But Bama and Florida State are about to get right it on. Bat, yeah. That's a tough game. They didn't have any preseason games. I'm sure their practices are, are, are way different, though. I mean, there's there's more live periods. There's more – you can get more realistic uh, game flows out of college practices, I believe, as opposed to NFL. We try to – uh, be smart with our investments in practice. Hmm. Let's talk some Thrones. We got the uh, we had the big climax, Game of Thrones, north of the wall, south of the wall. Cersei face to face with Daenerys and Jon Snow. By the way, too too soon to crush the wall. Too soon. Let's start there. I told you last week that I felt that the dragon being turned into a White Walker uh, might be a jump the shark moment. Now we've seen. The king, uh, whatever they call him, the the Night King, Night flying king, yeah. on the back of a dragon with blue eyes, and the blue eyed dragon blew some like laser beam, whatever it was, blue fire, and melted a wall, something like that. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I guess so. And what it was your reaction? Did you My like it or no? was they Too soon. It would have been okay if they rode up to the wall and then you saw the dragon with the Night King flying around. That would have been a you know great way to end that scene, but don't tear the wall down just yet. Yeah, it felt premature. Do you think that uh, the the looming question right now, one of the fan favorites, is uh, is the Wildling guy? What's his name again? Uh, Tormund. Tormund. Tormund yeah. and Beric were uh, left. To, it's a cliffhanger. Oh yeah, and Beric. Do we think they died? Oh, did they? I don't think so. They probably survived it. What did yeah. you think of the Arya and Sansa, you know, the the sibling rivalry and how that played itself out? Oh, I thought that was the most brilliant scene of the whole episode. I thought that was just, just awesome how they flipped it on Littlefinger and Arya couldn't wait. She said, say no more. <laughs> Here's what I thought. I what, what I was thinking was, in fact, that Arya was going to uh, – I thought Sa- Sansa, when she was talking to Littlefinger – and you know the whole thing about like you must play it out in your brain, in your mind, and see what the worst is, young Sansa. I love right, you, young Sansa. I thought what well, how that scene was going to end was that it was going to be Arya all along, and I thought maybe she had already killed Littlefinger and was wearing his face to pump Sansa for information. That would have been even cooler. Oh, I didn't go. I didn't go that far. No. I thought that's where it was headed. I thought that would have been great. But I'm. I agree with you. It was nice to see Littlefinger dispatched. Um. And we also, I mean, it seems pretty clear that the mountain and the hound are going to get down. You know, like that at some point, those yeah, two yeah, are point. battle royale. That was, way, that was the weigh-in when they when they came face to face. That was the weigh-in right there. <laughs> what did you make of uh, Jon Snow making his love on uh, his aunt, Daenerys? You know what? It was it was in due time. That too, I thought was was too soon, but um. No, I'm glad we got the answer though. Rayguard, man. Yeah, they kind of they've alluded to that being the way it was going to go. The, my concern is, I, it, it is weird. I guess kudos to all the fellas out there in Westeros because you know there's a giant percentage of them that are incapable of you know of uh, of 
performing in in uh, in the way Jon Snow performed with Daenerys, if you know what I mean. You know, they, the uh, Unsullied and uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, Reek, you know, he's you know, they, they suffer from the same ailment. Somebody else, too. Somebody else is lacking in that department. Um, I think you know what I'm getting at there. You know, they lost an appendage, if you will. And yet, there's a lot of the people who are still able to do that who end up with one of their relatives. Jamie, Jon Snow now. There's a lot of, you know, a lot of weird yeah, behavior. there's a there. lot of that. <laughs> there's a lot of that going on. Oh, man. I'm just, I'm still messed up about that wall. Too soon. It's gone now. Now they're marching towards uh, Winterfell. And in the meantime, right up in there. Yeah. I, I so do they get to Winterfell? I guess we now have to wait two years before we find out the answers to these questions, right? There were that's not... what it is, right? Is it two years? Is that uh, is that the plan? Can you imagine? How sickening that's, is that right now? You know what though? That's all right, because in the meantime I'll be watching Curb Your Enthusiasm, my number one show of all time. Is that right? Yes, I love it, is. it. Will Blackman, lay it on me. T- top uh top three or four sitcoms ever. Curb Your Enthusiasm yeah. one. God, might as well go Seinfeld. <laughs> Seinfeld too. I'm with you to that to the extent that Curb Your Enthusiasm is better than Seinfeld. It's basically um, it's Seinfeld the without the cl- without without the clown character of Kramer. Right. You know, it's a little it's rooted in, in a little more reality because you've removed yeah. the the silliness of uh, it's like Kramer. improv scripted. Would I totally you? would write a show. I would write a dry humored comedy like that. Is that where you're going? Is that what what becomes of you when you when you hang up the cleats? Who knows? It's it's very possible. Really, you a might, football one. You're a handsome similar, devil, yeah. I'll tell you that. I majored in English, so I I write, man. I didn't know that about you. Really? Yeah, how about that? Yeah, you know, you, there's a lot of things. I uh, you know, I've I've uh, toiled uh, on the on the laptop myself making pages too. Maybe you and I could scratch out uh, you know, some some movie or uh, screenplay no, it was it was tough in college majoring in english because look at how he just jumps novel. right past my offer uh, my my offer oh let's listen, team up he's would, like yeah uh, yeah yeah let yeah let me, me tell you college. about college let me go to this because this is relative i oh. would have to read a novel write a paper this i did this in the same week i had to read a novel write a paper and then cover larry fitzgerald that same week what do you mean cover oh <laughs> i'm sorry I meant yeah to when he went to pit Oh wow, that's right. Is he? Yeah, no. Is he the greatest no college uh, receiver you've ever seen? Uh, him. I like Peter Warwick too. Huh. Wow, that's funny. Yeah, Peter Warwick, one of those guys who is one of the greater college football players I've ever seen, but didn't exactly translate once he got uh, to the NFL. But Larry Fitzgerald was just about. Forgive me for saying so. Was just about uncoverable, right? They they no, essentially would really. like you got inside the ten. They would just run a fade to him if it required four downs. That's what they would do. Four straight. Let's just keep they run a fade to him regardless. Rod Rutherford would close his eyes and launch the ball in the air. Uh huh. Rod Larry Rutherford. Just, that's exactly right. The yeah. the big lefty. Yep. That's before how they, before yeah before Larry, yeah they had two back to back blitting calls because before that was Antonio Bryant I believe. Well, it's a, the ACC is the home, and BC has contributed to this uh, a little bit themselves. The ACC is now home to the most teams that have high end, that produce high end NFL talent, but struggle to go seven and five in college. You know, <laughs> Pitt, Pitt's the number one. Shady McCoy, Darrell Revis, 
Um, like you say, Larry Fitzgerald, Antonio Bryant was there, many linemen yeah. about Aaron Donald and so on. And yet, may or may not go go to a bowl game. UNC, yeah, it's crazy. There, there's some machines that came out of Pitt. You're right. It's weird. I mean, what, what gives? What goes on there that they can't uh, turn that into uh, double-digit wins annually? UNC is uh, afflicted with the same thing. Maryland has the same problem. Clemson, until uh, recently, was uh, so recently, was also yeah. one of those kind of teams. And BC now, too. BC. Who knows? Yeah, I don't know. Let's see. You produce uh, Matty Ryan. You produce Will Blackman and beyond. And uh, Matty Ryan. Matt was my guy. Did you, did you know that my senior year, I was the starting X receiver, and Matt Ryan was my quarterback? No way. I had no idea that's what you did. Yeah, I, my senior year, I played both ways. Yep. Provide us this insight then. Matt Ryan, from what you know of the fella, you've stayed in touch with him over the years or no? Uh, just here and there, uh, not consistently. But when we have the time to uh, converse, we do. Is he the sort of guy that, from what you know, will bounce back unaffected by what happened in February? Or will uh, will, will that haunt him to some degree? No, he's definitely um, resilient and so motivated since the day he came on campus he was 19 years old 18 and I remember he's on scout team offense and he was just destroying our defense um now matt has a fire matt prepares well matt's uh definitely he has the it whatever whatever that is in terms of all the tangibles for a quarterback matt ryan he, he's dope i think he's awesome i by the way don't think he's gotten enough credit in the last couple of years the thing that sort of transformed his he got game mvp I know, but I well, <laughs> I guess he did get credit. The the <laughs> the, the aspect <laughs> touche. The aspect of his game, I guess I should say, that hasn't gotten credit that that really has turned that has helped to, uh, elevate his career is he shed probably like twenty thirty pounds to the naked eye, right? I mean, he looks like he's he's much lighter and then runs around much better than he used to. I don't know. I never even saw him as a big guy. I mean, I never thought he was fat until all of a sudden he looked thin like, on the field. You mean like he trimmed? You mean like he trimmed? Yeah, up? he just—I don't know—did uh, you know CrossFit or did some jazzercising or something? Maybe. I don't know what he did. Dance to the oldies all off season long. I don't know. I, I don't know. Did some of those know. planks? I trimmed up though. You Shout did? Out to my wife Shauna. Yeah, my wife Shauna. Shout out to her. She uh, she fed me right this off season and made sure I was disciplined. She's the disciplined one in the house. I get that from her. So. What? All right. So now you're one. You're one piece of the 53-man puzzle. Let's uh, let's talk NFC East a little bit. What? Uh, what? Who? Who? Which of those three teams is the most frightening to you as you look at them right now? Frightening. It's funny because everyone pretty much loaded up this year. You know, Dallas. They still have the office intact. You know, obviously pending what happens to Zeke. But they should um, still, you know, my 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 pushback to anybody who says that they're in trouble without Zeke is Alfred Morris has been productive pretty much every season. He talk about an unheralded guy. That well, guy is in, effective in just about every system. In 2000 I believe 2015 um uh, Darren McFadden had 1000 yards, did he not? Yeah, and Darren McFadden if he's right, I mean if he's physically right is productive as well. I think they're fine with yeah, those two. He, yeah. I just don't. I, I don't understand the smoke and mirrors. I get what happens that they can spin the clock by just grinding you with uh, with the running game, but it still doesn't make sense that they can have a top five defense given the pieces they have. That's a. That, we'll that, see. I I think a big loss for them was was Barry Church. I think he was a great leader in that secondary. Hmm. Uh, I mean, he played through a lot of injuries, and 
um, was a huge staple back there. I think that's going to be a, a huge deal for them in the secondary was Barry Church, who went to Jacksonville. Outside of you, who's the best? Uh, who's the best corn? I mean, who's the best safety in the division? Is it Malcolm Jenkins? He, you know, what he's interesting because he's he's like a hybrid. He's almost, he reminds me of how Charles Woodson played. Yeah, Malcolm was all over the place. Charles was all over the place. Uh, some play, it depends on which week or which matchup Malcolm sometimes is a nickel. He'll line up at corner safety. So he's kind of a hybrid. So I want to say he's the, he's the best at right now though, who's playing the best would probably be Landon, Landon Collins. Collins. I knew that's I, as, as I asked that question, I just wanted to get into a little bit of Malcolm Jenkins there because, uh, I love that Eagles defense this year. They're going to, they I think that, uh, rotation they have up front is going to devastate, um, teams around the league and uh, and then Alshon Jeffrey I'm intrigued by that team um and then I don't know exactly the wild card of the NFC East to me is your team this year I don't know exactly how to gauge what you have a lot of guys have <laughs> yeah, sat in a, here and said oh that defense oh they've added some great pieces there and you saw Kirk Cousins and that and what he's done the, the last couple of years I mean what what's the mindset going into what figures to be as, as competitive a race, a division race, as uh, as there will be in 2017. No, it's fun. I mean, we'll, we'll take the credit being the uh, the dark horse right now. Um, <laughs> I like that you've been accepted that. Every team in every sport in the last quarter century, with amongst themselves, you guys all decide, like, no one outside our locker room believes in us. That's the big – that's the big uh, – the big you, hear that, you hear the speeches of that a lot, but it's oddly enough, we don't talk about that here. Like, no, nobody does. Uh, we don't even care in terms of what all the people are saying, where we're placed. We know that it's a competitive division. We know that um, we have an extremely talented team. And like I said, as long as we stay healthy, uh, things, things can go very well for us. So we have a secret weapon in our secondary who I can't mention yet. So we'll see. And it's not you. <laughs> no, I'm not the secret weapon at all. There's a secret weapon in the Redskins secondary. I'm the, I'm the Swiss Army knife. That's I me. see. Yeah, that's a yeah. good thing to be. All right, answer me this. The Washington Redskins will finish in first place in the NFC East if? We stay healthy. Simple as that. No Simple other concern. Just you, you stack it up and the coaching, the, the, the coaches and everybody else, it will just yield – the best record compared to the Eagles, the mighty Giants with that great defense and all those high-end pass catchers that they have, the Philadelphia yeah. Eagles with what should be a great pass rush this year, and, I mean, that, and the Dallas Cowboys. If we who went, just stay healthy, because if we stay healthy, we can continue to improve. We'll have everyone on deck, everyone up. As long as you have a healthy team, I mean, look at I would look at uh, Carolina in fifteen. Was it when they won the Super Bowl? Yeah. I think they were one of the healthiest teams in it, the NFL. Ain't that right? It's it's a shame. It's not sexy, but it is kind of the the one of the things when you go through the list of here's what you absolutely must have to get to a Super Bowl versus right. the myths about what you need to have. They're all the platitudes about what teams need to be. You need to have an elite QB, whatever elite, uh, whatever defines elite. That one is probably true. Because if you look I at the so. yeah, if you if you look at the teams that are getting to Super Bowls in the last fifteen years, they do they happen to have quarterbacks. Every team, and and you can say, well, Russell Wilson benefited from that great defense early in his career. Roethlisberger from his great defense and all that, but you you can't really argue against the names that are there. It's Roethlisberger, Breeze, uh, Peyton, and Brady, and Rodgers, and uh, the one the one guy who slipped through the cracks there really was Joe Flacco. He's the exception that proves the rule over the last 15 years. 
Right. Yeah. I mean, I've been fortunate to play with, with Favre, with Aaron Rodgers, and Eli to start off my career. Unbelievable. And with those guys, we knew we had a chance uh, to go all the way. And then I was in training camp with Seattle, so we had a you know high end quarterback in Russell Wilson there, you know, and um, it's it's important. It's, it's very, very important. Is You know, I always used to say offensive line and, well, basically line of scrimmage and the ability to dominate and, in fact, to have uh, to, to have volume there, to have a rotation uh, available on both sides was, was, was important. But there are exceptions to that. If you're the Seahawks with Russell Wilson, they, they've gone far with mediocre offensive line. The Steelers won a Super Bowl with one of the five worst li- lines in the league. Um, and Aaron Rodgers uh, and the Packers can get away without being a good line. Is there anybody else that can do that? Brady people will float as a guy who plays behind a subpar O line. Well, I feel like any team that has a, I guess, a West Coast offense or a quick game, teams that throw a lot of quick game and high percentage passes can do away with that. Um, like you said, like Ben, ben McAdoo came from Green Bay and now he's in New York. You see Eli getting the ball out of his hands faster. Also, to protect himself, which helps if, if your line is not doing well as you want him to. Um, Aaron Rodgers, I mean, he just creates stuff on his own. He's actually dangerous as a runner, you know, which we took in consideration. And also, Tom Brady gets it out quick. So I think teams that just have, like, the quick quick game offense, West Coast offense, benefit from not necessarily needing a bunch of Larry Allens. And you don't, but what you don't need that's interesting is Julio Jones, uh, you know, gets to the Super Bowl with a great season and uh, is a major factor in the Falcons getting there last season. But he is, it, it is clear that you don't have to have that. You don't have to have one of the five or so best receivers in football to get there, you know. And, and, and if, if you look through the you last. You just need the best team. That's, I know, but that doesn't sound fun to talk about. Best team. It I mean, it's because it's. <laughs> Well, it's, it's impossible to figure that out. There are elements of those teams. You don't need to have a, a, a coach who's been there forever. That's you know that's not something that uh, necessarily equals. I think stability with coaching staff that seems to matter. Um, all right, we'll figure the team. So when I when I was when I was, when I was with the Giants in 2011, I, what got us there is we just had 53 guys who were all on the same page. We held each other accountable. We dealt with adversity. I mean, we almost got knocked out that year. I think we finished nine and seven. We lost uh, two games, which did knock us out. Then we ran the table, but we just came together truly as a solid team. Held everyone accountable. We held coaches accountable. Players, it, it did not matter, and that's what got us there. We were just, we were just a better team. Guys say that all the time. You hear that, and it's no, uh, like I say, no, no, not you. I'm saying you hear that. Like, hey, everybody was together. Everybody was with the same person. What teams don't do that? Well, I mean, if a guy's, uh, you You'd know, be surprised the teams that don't do well. Really, it's a, that it's that pervasive in pro sports that they're just individuals out. I, mean, I guess that makes sense, chasing money. What was the, so, what was the big deal about hiring Coughlin in Jacksonville? What did, what was the whole thing about that? Discipline, yeah. That's they said they need discipline down there. They need order. They need structure. They need something to, uh, you know, get these guys to play like pros. So that was the whole thought behind that, you know. And that's that's what I'm saying is that every team doesn't have it, you know. 
it's it's fascinating, but then it makes it ultimately impossible for anyone in my seat or any of the countless other so-called uh, analysts in the world to pick who's going to win week to week, let alone go to the playoffs and go deep in the playoffs because none of us ultimately really know what locker rooms are constructed that way any given year. Who's got that vibe going? <laughs> That's super hard. <laughs> I know. <laughs> All right, the Washington Redskins finish in last place if. We're not going to. All right, I like that. See, that's the right answer. All right, last thing, let's talk about wine. What are you doing with the with the grapes? With the grapes? Other than I just bought a bunch of table grapes the other day. <laughs> no, you know and what? And then you smushed this, them with your feet. Well, I have to actually. Yeah, I did smush them because they're ready to go. Um, it became just a just a small little ha- hobby of mine to just know about the world of wine, and eventually became a passion. Um, good really close friend of mine, Charles Woodson has his own, uh, Charles Woodson wines. It's in Napa. And, um, he's been showing it to us when I was in green Bay. And then eventually finally my wife, Shauna and I, we took a trip to Napa last year and uh, I just fell in love with the vineyard, man. Just route 29. I was all over it in Napa. How fun. And, and so you're going to, that's another thing you're going to be when you, when you retire from football, you're going to be a, yeah. a we'll winery see, I, guy. I, yeah, I'm interested in getting to the wine business. This offseason, I actually um, got a level two certification through the Wine and Spirits Education Trust. And that's just an entry to intermediate level of um, learning about uh, all the varietals, grape varietals, learning about some viticulture, uh, learning about um, tasting wine, evaluating the wine, growing wine, learn about the wine business. So eventually, my wife and I, we're going to start our own in a couple of years. All right, here's the big question. Where do you come down on rosé? What do you mean? Where do you come down on it? I'll, all right, you know what? I'll pull the like, curtain what do back. I think why, about rose? why am I asking you about it? Here's why. Because especially here in Southern California where it's warm, you know, 11, you know, 9, 10, 11 months annually, I when it's warm out, there's nothing more delightful when it when the sun's coming down on you is to have a is have a nice crisp rosé. You know, but a lot of fellas make fun of me. They say, Rose, what kind of man are you? I say a one who one who's living, not just surviving. You know, that's yeah, what I Rose, say. Rose is Rose is made from red grapes. So what I are know. they talking about? I don't know. People condescend to me about it. They 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 wine, laugh at wine, me. Wine is wine. They can drink their cabinet when it's eighty eight degrees outside and you're over there nice and refreshed with your rose. Well, I mean, you're a pro football player, and if you say it's okay for me to drink rosé, that's that, that's the ultimate comeback that I have going forward then. Last question for you. Who would you rather drive across the country with in a car, Aaron Rodgers or Brett Favre? Uh, definitely Aaron Rodgers. Definitely. Why? Yeah, because he's my age. <laughs> <laughs> Brett Favre listens and actually, to I'm actually, music or something. I'm actually, and no, Brett Favre would want to listen to Crank Yankers the whole time, probably. <laughs> hey, that's a show I wrote on. See, see, I, sure. I have right. That's right. See, I have writing credentials. That you should, you should have taken me up on my offer when I said let's write a script together. But no, you, 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 you had something else better to do with yourself. Was still there, so I'll, I'll talk to you after this. All right, maybe we could, um, we could go I, to. We'll talk to. So that's why I pick Aaron. 
All right, I like it. That's a good, honest answer. All right, listen, Will Blackman, we probably are not going to speak before the season kicks off for you, but I want you to stay healthy and I want you to be successful. And I don't – I thought your answer, by the way, when I said who scares you the most in your division. I, I mean, Odell Beckham, Brandon Marshall, Sterling Shepard, Evan Ingram, That you're, you're not ringing – you're not laying in bed thinking like, oh, my goodness, think, what am I going to do? No, I'm like, man, hurry up. That's the way – see, the successful guys say that. And I tell my children that too. Don't when and things I are – I like what Philly did. You you have a franchise quarterback, yeah. you him weapons. I thought that was brilliant on their part. I agree with you, but that's a, that's a great lesson, and that is the difference, I think, in life is when something is daunting or you, uh, that makes you nervous, that's what you do. That's what's fun. Yes, I don't want to have mediocre. I, I want to – yes, give me the best, and let's see what happens then. Yeah, just like the, the – uh... The Night King, he sat there and watched his Nightwalkers get beat down. Mm-hmm. And then he was like, all right, let me uh, let me take this dragon out real quick. You're, you're Stoic, real... man. You have, Stoic. You have a lot in common with the Night King. All right, listen. Oh, that would be a good name for a team, by the way. The the the, uh, the White, the yeah, white this, Walkers. This was, Actually, this that wouldn't that. be a good name for a team. <laughs> that might not go over in our multicultural society. The White Walkers. No, like that's a bad idea. Scratch yeah. that. Cut that from the podcast. All right, listen. Will Blackman, be well, be healthy, be successful, all that stuff. Let's celebrate a successful 2017 with some rosé and uh, and, and uh, um, a, a mutual credit on an upcoming screenplay. But let's check in with you as uh, as things go along here in the next couple of yeah, weeks totally, if you're free. Yeah, man. Yeah. I'm, yeah, always. Let me know. What a delightful and rangy fella, not just on the football field, but in the game of life. There he is, everybody. Washington Redskins star. Great fella. Shout out to my wife, Shauna, and my kids, Ryder and Jade. Hello to you guys. I mean, I don't know if that was necessary, but all right, we'll, we'll allow it. We won't cut that. We're going to we're, we're gonna keep that. All right. <laughs> the great Will Blackman, everybody. Here we go, too. Uh, thanks for checking us out. We'll be back later in the week for you with more hooey and applesauce. In the meantime, thanks so much, football fans. It's been a thin slice of heaven. You'll listen to Dave Last one, guys. This is the Game of Game of Thrones finale recap. Last game, game, Game of Thrones game. And uh, our winner. Of the league, the fantasy league. Oh boy, Maurice Thrones Drew. The Thrones. Congratulations, from last to first. Thanks to the Night King and Beric Dondarrion, but most of the Night King and his ice dragon and knocking down the wall. Speaking of knocking down the wall, the Night King killed. Going to throw in that maybe. I predicted that. You did. And I was right. Um, told you so. Told you so. Awesome. Yep. High fives all around. Yep. Yep. We had some pretty stout predictions. Also predicted that little fairy gone. Yep. See ya. Which Seriously was incredibly that. satisfying. Yep. So Maurice beat me by 20 points. I came in second place. Chris really Long sorry. in third place uh, behind Jon Snow did a lot for him. I'm not thrilled. I'm not thrilled with the scoring. I, I still have fought tooth and nail. That's I, we got to look at what Beric did because if, if they count 50 points for a great death, him and Tormund could be on the edge of what the Night King destroyed, the edge of the wall. Sure, like, yeah. We don't, yeah. We actually, we don't know. They, don't could, know they, they could still be alive. So if you lose – because of that, yeah, I, I think that Sam. Was, we could retroactively give you the title. Yeah, I feel I do feel like there should be a stack correction. I still I feel so, like Sam should have more than ten points, and I feel like I should be the winner. Mm-hmm. I feel behind Sam, Arya, and Sansa Stark. I've done enough to win, but can't argue. Marie Stones Drew picking the Night King third overall. The really, pending really, champion. Really, really, really uh, good 
good pick by him. I mean, he he picked the guy. Uh, it was a sleeper, really, a third overall that no one else was going to expect. So good for him. Uh, for now, he is the winner. So our final game of Game of Thrones standings, Maurice Thrones drew, like I said, 580 points. Eddard Spaghetti, 560. Chris Long and Full of Terrors, 420. Kay and Kyle Brand- Brandister and Kay Lisi is their team name, 395. The Unsullied at 355 in fifth place. Boy. Tied with uh, Ike and Cynthia at 355. Dave Damashek housed Damastark in seventh with 350. <laughs> Handsome Hank, eighth place, 235, tied with Direwolf and Gonzara Martin at 235 as well. And then uh, Patrick Claibon and Will Blackman last place with 190. We are done with the first half, and now we're moving on to the second half. Heartbreaking. Uh, a crazy episode, my personal favorite episode of all time. Ever. Yeah, it was so, good. So, it was, we got a lot. We went a lot of places. Yeah. Saw a lot of people. Cold predictions are just moving, you know, advancing the story. Do you think we mentioned it, Tormund and... I think they're still kicking. They gotta be alive. They're still alive? If you're gonna yeah. kill off those two dudes, you gotta show them die. Uh, right. Okay, I'm with you on that. Do you think there will be a conflict between John hearing his parentage and Daenerys now? Will there still be yeah. any love lost? No, I think... Because he is the actual heir to the throne and I she's think not? She's no, I think it's gonna be a it. shocker. he's not bad about it. No, I think that it's not going to have any effect, and you they're going to continue be, on. I don't okay. think Daenerys will be mad at all. I think they're going to break Matt it off is, until I she think they're going to be surprised. But I think they're just going to go. They're just going to keep going. The big it's thing fine. too with that whole little uh, triangle is that that Tyrion. Obviously, they showed him in the hallway. What is his reaction? Okay, but I think okay. Is he mad because he's in love with her, or is he mad because he's seeing his role as the as the hand? quickly disintegrating into, like, not so much I, of a word. I think it's partially that, and I think it's partially bit everything. love is going to cloud their judgment when the real Right, happens. exactly. So I think right. it's less of him being in love with, with Daenerys, but him seeing, like, what's about to happen. got an undead army, and you guys are over here falling in love. Exactly. Like, this ain't the time for this. Do you think she is pregnant? Uh, I think she's preggers. Yeah. yeah I think she is 100%. <laughs> love you putting it like that, but yeah. Yeah, no, I think, I think, that think she is happen. because they, they, they hinted at, oh, like, I can't. And he's like basically hinting like, oh, we might as well test that out. So, they did. Right. No, yeah, exactly. We got the foreshadowing there with mm-hmm. her saying that she can't. and Good old say, Daenerys and Aegon Targaryen. Little yeah. uh, hat tip to the book readers there, young Griff. Mm-hmm. Um, switching gears to Cersei and Jamie. That one interests me Woo. a lot. Yeah. It, I was sweating in that scene. Will the, will the <laughs> prophecy still happen? Will Jamie still end Cersei or, or vice versa? Or is it just done now? Is Jamie going to go north and be done with it? I think it? he's going to he's gonna go north and they're going to end up uh, turning back south. I think they're, he's going to Oh, for sure. They're not Cersei. done. With, no. No. So do you ultimately still believe that one will die at the hands of the other? Yes. And who's going to die? Cersei's going to die. At the hands Jamie, of Jamie. Yes, absolutely. With the baby. That's You believe ooh. she's pregnant? I think she... She might be pregnant. Oh. It might be Euron's kid still. I don't know. I'm kind of holding on to that kind of theory. Oh. oh I like that. Yeah. I think yeah. the box. There. Oh. Yep. Yep. I'm not yes. sure. I'm not positive that she is pregnant, but I also still believe that Jamie has to be the one to kill her. For sure. Yeah. But I also believe that if she – but Jamie will go down as well. I think Tyrion's the last I think. I think he's going to go up, grab the Hound and a few other just absolute bad-to-the-bone guys and come back and try to sneak in and, and wipe her out and take over the army. And that's where we're going to have the uh, Hound versus the Mountain Bull. The Cookie Game Bull? Okay. okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I like how Sam just took complete and utter uh, credit for discovering that. Well, you technically, know? he did write the, the page out, and then Gilly read it to him, and then okay. he recalled it. Yeah, I know what you're saying. And then, yeah. and then Bran knew it. So Bran was going to call him John Sand. But uh, it was a, a legal marriage, so he was a Targaryen and yep. named him after Aegon the Conqueror, the first Targaryen to come across uh, and, and to you know, take over Westeros. Nice. Nice. 
I'm I'm stoked, guys. The wall is down. Wall's uh, down. All hell first, is breaking loose. I think loose. the first battle is going to happen in west or in uh, at um, in the north real soon. They're going to have to go up and meet that army. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, they they can't they can't concede any any ground. They're I mean, like I court. said, a phenomenal episode. You have the Golden Company coming over with uh, Euron from uh, to King's Landing. You have the snow already falling in King's Landing. Yes, Amy's we going ha- north. And we did mention Theon. He had a big role in this episode. I'm so sick of him. I know. I mean, too. I thought we got too much Theon. I I do. I think we got too much of that. But moving forward, I think that he's going to come back and choose to be a Stark. Yeah, He he has an endgame. I think it's ultimately going to cost him his life. But uh, a lot of stuff to look forward to. Uh, Unbelievable episode to finish it with. Hopefully it is back in a year from now. But until then. We'll see everybody in a year. In a year from now. See you in a year. Conference of football. You go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Hey everyone, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.